Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Man, I'm, I'm doing well. How about that show yesterday, Dan? Yeah, I know. Ow. That show, uh, <laughs> Joe was just chatting about it. Yesterday's show did, uh, did uh, really uh, tremendously on a platform, so thank you, where we... Uh, we put together a couple of pieces of the puzzle about the movie script. So listen to yesterday's show. Mm-hmm. It's going to tie into today's show a little bit, uh, too, where I'll, I'll cover a lot of this and, and add to it because it was really stacked. But I got a lot of news to get to um, as well that I missed yesterday because there's a lot going on. I want to get to that first because it's important and you need to know it. Let's get right to it. Today's code, uh, today's show brought to you by G-Code. G-Code. You know, I'm a big supporter of the Second Amendment. Carry a firearm myself. I have a concealed carry uh, weapons permit down here in Florida. And depending on the state you live in and the concealed carry laws, you want to protect your family when you go out as well, which is why you'll need a great holster to properly carry your firearm. For more than 20 years, G-Code has produced what many consider to be the finest holsters in the industry. Today, they clearly lead the pack. They are 100% American-made products, all materials and components sourced right here in the U.S., the owners of G-Code holsters, excuse me, G-Code holsters, uh, spit it out, Dan, are military veterans. They are meticulous about quality, innovation, and worksmanship. Excellence drives everything they do, and every product comes with a lifetime warranty. Whether you're military, law enforcement, or civilian, G-Code has a holster for you. Check out the all-new G-Code Phenom in the waistband holster. It's being hailed as a game-changer for comfort and concealability. This is a must-have. Order online. Get ready. At range5, that's the number 5.com, that's range the number five dot com range five dot com and be sure to use promo code Bongino fifteen percent off. Make sure you check out the G code Phenom in the waistband holster. It is uh, super comfortable and uh, it is a game changer. Go check it out. Range five dot com promo code Bongino for fifteen percent off. All right, we got a lot to get to. First, I will be on the five today, uh, co-hosting with the crew. On Fox News at 5 p.m., unsurprisingly. All right. <laughs> five people, 5 p.m. On, uh, to- uh, on today, Thursday, and tomorrow, Friday. So please tune in or set your DVR. It means a lot to me. The ratings usually do typically well. Uh, when we're on there, be some more spicy debates. So check that out. Uh, getting to it. Big news yesterday on Venezuela. You should be absolutely disgusted right now that people like Bernie Sanders, this, uh, this fraud, this uh, this limousine liberal, Bernie Sanders, and uh, his new uh, acolyte here, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and others. I don't want to leave Elizabeth Warren out or these other far left, uh, you know, socialist Democrats. Now, the fact that what's happening in Venezuela right now is happening in front of our very eyes and keep people continue to promote a system that is causing mass starvation and the collapse of a country. Joseph, before our very eyes. And people are still promoting socialism is a moral and ethical stain on their souls that they will not be able to wipe clean anytime soon. Everyone who interviews Bernie Sanders, Ocasio-Cortez and Cory Booker and anyone else promoting far left socialist ideas should be immediately asked and on the record if what they uh, if, if about what's going on in Venezuela and how similar policies are promoting here about government takeovers making billionaires somehow illegal uh Medicare for all which is really government controlled medicine how those policies have been tried elsewhere and have led to starvation deprivation and destruction and in live time We are now watching the collapse of socialism and the destruction of people's lives in Venezuela. Salute, hat tip to President Trump for recognizing 
let me say his name wrong. Juan Guaida, as the new president of Venezuela, the president of the National Assembly, Nicolas Maduro is a fraud. He is a fake. He is a charlatan. He is a, a murderous tyrant. And good for President Trump for taking a stand and saying, Maduro, you are out. And he recognized the new president, who is the president of the National Assembly, is the only legitimate president right now of Venezuela. Good for him. People are gathering in the streets by the tens of thousands. We're in the streets by the tens of thousands in Venezuela. They've had enough. They've had enough of these central planners and and socialist murderers. I want them on the record, all of them. Oh, we're not trying to follow that model. We're trying to follow the model of Denmark. They're not socialists, you idiots. Those are capitalist economies. Some of them that have lower tax rates, specific tax rates than we do. Socialism kills. Socialism is murder. Socialism is starvation and destruction. Socialism is the police state. You are watching this right now in live time. Open your eyes. Clockwork Orange style. And look at it. Watch it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wish we had this video. <laughs> we will soon. Vitty, vitty. Want to make sure it's perfect. Yeah. I know uh, Jeremy from the Daily Wire keeps tweeting me. Jeremy, we're trying to get it perfect. <laughs> That's why. Open your eyes and watch. Watch what's happening right now. Venezuelans, middle-class Venezuelans losing in the average of 18 to 20 pounds because they're starving to death. Because central planners and government don't have the knowledge or capabilities to run business, run businesses like business people actually invested in their businesses do. They are starving that place. A lot of other stuff going on. Michael Cohen is now retracting his uh, offer to speak in front of a, a congressional committee. On February 7th, he is retracting it, interestingly enough, to Lanny Davis, Clinton hack, former Clinton uh, insider, Clinton insider now, close confidant of the Clintons, who for some reason, wow, Joe, interesting how all these Clinton people keep and Obama people keep turning up in the Mueller probe. I'll get to him later, by the way. But Cohen is now pulling back his offer to testify in front of a congressional committee, citing the fact that he's been threatened by President Trump. A bold-faced lie. Bold-faced lie. Bold-faced, a total lie. Made up fabrication. Total nonsense. An untruth. He's making this up. My guess is Cohen's starting to realize that he's a central player in a criminal scheme outside of his role in the Trump orbit and that that investigation may focus in on him and that the information he claims to have on Trump is complete garbage. I'm going to get to that a little later, so let me just leave that here. I just want to make sure I get the news stuff out. I am going to get to the Solomon stuff I teased yesterday as well. Nancy Pelosi in the State of the Union. Big news yesterday. Donald Trump accepted the invite Nancy Pelosi had issued to the White House for the State of the Union address earlier in the month, which she then rescinded, citing nonsense, fabricated security reasons. The Secret Service, I'm having some inside input on this. I'm going to give you the inside baseball. Secret Service immediately refutes Nancy Pelosi's story that this shutdown is causing security problems. Pelosi then fires back and says he's not invited, and the State of the Union, as per yesterday, has been canceled. Let me tell you, one, what I think Donald Trump should do, and secondly, what really happened behind the scenes here. Joe, Donald Trump should triumphantly walk into the Senate 
at the invite of Mitch McConnell, the majority leader, the Republicans still control the Senate. They don't control the House of Representatives. He should walk into that Senate. It is a smaller chamber, but he should walk in there, stand there and issue that State of the Union from the United States Senate. And in that State of the Union, he should lay out the case in front of a national audience why the State of the Union would be so much better if we had a border wall on our southern border. This is the opportunity. Bam. Nobody is going to stop him. And you know what he should do after that? He should pop in on the House side. He should walk in there and informally address the Republican members of the Congress because you know no Democrats will show up in the House of Representatives. And he should informally take a Q&A right there. You want to see who the boss is? Now we'll see. Now we'll see who the boss is. Nancy Pelosi is not a co-equal branch of government. The legislative branch is comprised of the Congress, the House of Representatives, and the United States Senate. Nancy Pelosi is one of 435 members of one half of the legislative branch. I bet a lot of other of those members would like to hear from the president. Walk into that Senate side, issue that speech you want to give, and then walk right over and do a presser on the House floor afterwards. Folks, the Secret Service security was complete. The security story was a fabrication. It was made up. The Secret Service are not mercenaries. These are dedicated men and women who are going to do their job no matter what. They know they're going to get back pay. They're not happy about their paychecks being delayed. But I promise you, I promise you, based on every single source I have, it has not impacted their workflow or work product one bit. And let me tell you something else. The sergeant at arms responsible for security of that chamber, Joe, is a former Secret Service agent who knows these guys well. Mm -hmm. He does not work for the Secret Service. He does not work for the executive branch. He's a good guy. And I certainly don't mean to put him on the spot. But you know darn well, Joe, nobody's going to stop the president of the United States if he chooses to walk onto that House floor and address members. Nobody. And they shouldn't. The president has every right to talk to his caucus over there. He should give that speech from the Senate at the invitation of Mitch McConnell. Of course, Pence is the president of the Senate. And then he should walk over on that House floor and let those cameras follow him. Nancy Pelosi is not herself a co-equal branch of government. Donald Trump is. The presidency is embodied in one man or woman, in one branch of government. The unitary executive. It is not a unitary legislative branch. I expect. See what I'm, I expect you may see something coming up like that. We'll see. We'll see, Daniel. We'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I, ex- I don't expect Donald Trump to take any of this line down. I'm not suggesting it's going to happen exactly like that. I'm just telling you, knowing the Trump team like I know them, I don't expect Donald Trump to take any of this lying down. The State of the Union will definitely not be canceled. One, it's his constitutional duty to issue a State of the Union, uh, uh, some form of an address. He can issue it in writing or as an address, but he does have to issue some for indications of what the State of the Union is to the Congress. Okay, one more quick story before I start knocking some stuff out on this uh, Spygate stuff. Daniel Horowitz has a really great piece in Conservative Review today, folks. I really need you to look at. It is a devastating indictment of what our open borders policies, DACA and everything else has done to create a a human rights catastrophe 
a civil liberties catastrophe, a criminal catastrophe in Mexico. You know, it's interesting. You see a lot of liberal talking heads and commentators, Joe, talking about how we have to, you know, we have underprivileged people who live in Mm -hmm. countries that are poorer than we are. We have an obligation. We have no obligation to do that at all. We have an obligation to take care of United States citizens. Uh, We have an obligation uh, to make sure that our country is run in a civil orderly manner. If that involves legal immigration at times, fine. If it involves slowing down of legal immigration at times, that's fine, too. But there is a catastrophe happening in Mexico right now. Daniel Horowitz's piece of the conservative review, Joe. There were 33,341 murder investigations in Mexico last year. Oh, 33,000 murder investigations. Not 3,000, 33,000. Likely the entire population of the neighborhood and the adjoining neighborhood I live in. That's up from an astonishing 28,866 in 2017. Joe, at the height of the cartel battles Mm -hmm. in 2014, there were only 16,108 active murder investigations in Mexico. We are talking about double the number. What is happening? Smuggling routes are happening for illegal immigrants. These smuggling routes and control of specific areas of the Mexican-United States border. These smuggling routes, there are battles for control. These Folks, it costs a lot of money to smuggle yourself across the border illegally. When you do that, these, these cartels make money. These syndicates of people involved in the smuggling of human beings across our border in an inhumane, non-legal manner are making a fortune off this. When someone encroaches on their territory, Joe, people get killed. Mm -hmm. This is what open borders, non-civil, non-organized immigration looks like. It looks like death in Mexico. This is not humanitarian. You are empowering human smugglers, child sex traffickers, drug traffickers, the, the worst of the worst, to get desperate people across a border in the most illegal, unethical, dangerous way possible. And there are now 33,341 murder investigations going on. Read Horowitz's piece. It's astounding. He, I get a lot of emails and a lot of articles. I don't get to read them all. Mm-hmm. But I read the first paragraph of this. He always writes pretty long, lengthy, but very good pieces. I couldn't put it down. You want to be humanitarians? Maybe an orderly immigration process where people enter at a port of entry and cartels and human smugglers don't control that. Maybe that would stop the 33,341 murder investigations in Mexico. Disgraceful. This is a human rights crisis in Mexico right now. The big R right to be alive. You know what? Let me hit one more because I want to rock and roll for this. Have another story in the show notes. I don't want you to miss the news of the week. This is why. You're going to start hearing this poll. Get ready. Get ready for your liberal friends. Don't worry. I have the immediate point you can debunk them on. Don't you worry. 
Don't you worry. There was a poll out, article up in the Hill. 56% of people polled, Joe, think Medicare for all is a good idea or prefer Medicare for all. Oh, man, socialism. It's winning. Medicare, which is government-run health care, basically. Rationed, cheap, low-quality, government-run medicine. That's what Medicare for all is. Make no mistake. Poll on the Hill, the liberals are now celebrating. 56% prefer Medicare for all. Oh, but did you continue to read the poll? There's always an asterisk, Joe. There's always a caveat. Always a proviso somewhere in there. When you actually ask the question, would you prefer Medicare for all if you knew your taxes were going to go up? That number drops 20 points to 37%. Ain't that a kick in the asterisk? Yeah. (laughs) It's always, all the information is always in the footnotes, isn't it? So when you're liberal, I just want to prepare you. This show is all about preparing you for these arguments you are going to have with your liberal buddies. Remember, you're never arguing with your liberal friends when you debate them. A lot of them have have skulls six feet thick. You're arguing for the third party listening in. This happened to me at the Maryland State Fair when I was running for office. I sat there arguing with a liberal woman school teacher about school choice forever. All she did was yell and all I did was make reason points. I did not break through one bit, but I kid you not, a person came up to me afterwards, a young gentleman, and said, you know, I listened to that whole thing and what you said made a lot of sense. You changed my mind. Remember, with liberals, you are rarely, if ever, debating them. You are debating them because there's a third person listening. When you come out with the facts and data and reasoned analysis, you look like the reasonable person why they, the snowflake social justice warriors, scream their heads off. You are going to hear about this poll. Wow, 56% of Americans prefer Medicare for all. Really? Because when you tell them how much it costs, that's only 37%. Did you know that? No, you didn't. You forgot that part, didn't you? Ding, 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 ding. I'm sure I'll hear this from Chris Hahn Saturday night and Judge Janine about this poll. He never reads the asterisks. I I like Chris personally, but he never knows what he's talking about. Dude, I'm telling you, man, this video is going to be classic. Oh, boy. All right, let me get to this because this is important. I want to just start rocking and rolling with yesterday's timeline because I've I've got a new plan A, plan B, and plan C. Remember the viral speech where I simply laid out in 20 minutes the whole Spygate scheme? I've had to make improvs to that. We're going to get to that. All right, today's show brought to you by Brickhouse Nutrition as well. Ladies and gentlemen, Brickhouse makes one of the finest nutrition uh, supplement products on the market. I'm not kidding when I tell you this does two things better than what I believe to be any supplement out there. It will help you look better, which, come on, we all want to look better. It's not vain or narcissistic. We all want to look better. We're visual creatures, right? We're not like, uh, you know, blind as bats. And it will help you perform better as well. The product is called Foundation. It is available at BrickhouseNutrition.com slash Dan. I can personally... Personally, so can Joe, by the way, and little Joe is is uh, Joe's son, who's a cool cat himself. Yeah. Good buddy of mine. Yeah, we can. We are not. This is not some silly sale. I, we can both personally vouch for the effectiveness of stuff. It is amazing. I, I always tell people, give this. Tr- it's a creatine and ATP blend that I, I just ask you to do two things. This is not a read, by the way. They don't give me this. I, I improv this myself always because Brickhouse Nutrition knows I use the product. They don't give me any guidelines other than put the website out there and name the product. Try the mirror test. Give yourself a look-see in the mirror. See what you look like. You don't have to take a snapshot or take a mental snapshot. You may not want pictures out there on your phone or something. Somebody steals it, right? Fine, whatever. 
Take a mental snapshot. I want you to look again seven days later. Give the foundation time to work. You will be like, wow. And I want you to also take down some notes about whatever, how many push-ups, squats, deadlifts, bench press you do. Come back seven days later and look at those numbers again. The stuff is amazing. The feedback on this product is incredible. Go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up a bottle of foundation today. You will not regret it. It is quite simply the finest nutritional supplement on the market today. Hands down. Okay. Yesterday, I got into the John Solomon piece. Uh, Solomon, how he was laying out the FBI, uh, the strategy, the Clinton machine and the Obama machine had with the FBI during the campaign with Donald Trump. The, the, the scheme was, was pretty obvious. The scheme was to flood the zone. Joe, do you have that cut ready? Yeah. Flood the zone with massive amounts of information. Flood the zone everywhere. Have the Clinton machine and the Obama machine flood the intelligence community, the law enforcement community, and the FBI, the State Department, anybody who would listen, making sure all of this information made it back to the FBI. So it appeared that Joe Marmacost is an alien. How do I know Joe Marmacost is an alien? I heard it from my neighbor. I heard it from a guy in the gym. I heard it from a guy in the gas station. No, you didn't. They all heard it from the same guy. Some idiot who thinks Joe Marmacost is an alien. That's what was happening. I want to play an older cut from Victoria Newland, State Department employee, Clinton acolyte, very close with all of the players involved in this Clinton scheme. She was the chief of staff for uh, uh, Strobe Talbot, who was Bill Clinton, was a higher up in Bill Clinton's State Department. Strobe Talbot's brother-in-law is a guy named Cody Shear. Cody Shear was feeding dossiers to the State Department. Shear is a close confidant of the Clinton team. What I'm trying to tell you is Victoria Newland is deeply embedded in the Clinton uh, web of schemers. She worked at the State Department. The State Department, Joe is a diplomatic outfit. It is not an intelligence or law enforcement outfit. The State Department's job is to conduct international diplomacy, not to conduct spying, political hit operations. It's not to conduct intelligence operations, to do liaison with foreign intelligence operations. That is not their job. Right. But I want you to listen to Victoria Newland last year on Face the Nation. Talk about how they've been dealing with Christopher Steele, a foreign spy, although she's a diplomat. She's not a spy for a really long time. Victoria, uh, Congressman uh, Gowdy said they now have concerns about the State Department. You served there until recently. Do you know what he's talking about? I don't. I look forward to to hearing what he's talking about. I will tell you, though, Margaret, that uh, during the Ukraine crisis in 2014 and 15, uh, Chris Steele had a number of commercial clients who were asking him for reports on what was going on in Russia, what was going on in Ukraine, what was going on between them. Uh, Chris had a friend at the State Department, and he offered us that reporting uh, free so that we could also benefit from it. It was one of, you know, hundreds of sources that we were using to try to understand what was going on. Oh, really? Isn't that nice? So during the Ukraine crisis, oh, you mean the, you, you, the same Ukraine crisis and the same players involved in the movie script from 2007, Manafort and his Ukraine connections and Rick Davis? <laughs> you mean that guy? So basically, let me do the Victoria Newland translator for you. This is an, you may say, why are you bringing up this old quote? Because this is important. She lays the whole thing out about the flood the zone strategy. Mm-hmm. Send a bunch of negative information about Donald Trump through multiple avenues, hoping it gets into the FBI and into the courts so they can prosecute him, impeach him, or leak it to the media. 
She says, oh, during the Ukraine crisis, we had worked with Steele before. The Ukraine crisis, Manafort and the Davis have Ukrainian clients. Manafort is one of the key players in the 2007 movie script, the Glenn Simpson Wall Street Journal piece we talked about yesterday that they tried against McCain in the past, but the Bush administration wouldn't allow it. This hit is done in 2007. The same hit's done against Donald Trump later. The only reason it works better against Trump than it did against McCain with the Clinton team and Democrats trying this same Russian collusion hit against uh, McCain through the Ukrainian pro-Russian folks that Manafort was working for is because the Obama administration is willing to play ball with weaponized government and the Bush team wasn't. The Bush team warned McCain. So Newland says, well, during the Ukraine crisis, yeah, again, in other words, indicating that the Ukraine is constantly used as an excuse to to open up avenues of communication, Joe, with intelligence people that should be dealing with the intelligence community, not the State Department. Why, Joe? Why is the Ukraine crisis? What's happening in Ukraine? Why Mm -hmm. is this the vehicle Newland needs to talk to steel? I'm going to answer this for you. Guy got upset, by the way. I don't let you answer sometimes. It's good. He did. Yeah. <laughs> but Joe, you're good, right? You know, Joe, yeah. I know when, because uh, Joe's doing a lot, folks. You got to understand. He's got a I'm computer cool. there. He's doing cuts. Sometimes he doesn't get to listen to holding. The reason, Joe, Victoria Newland needs the Ukraine crisis is because Ukraine is the connection to Manafort. Manafort's working for a pro-Russian Ukrainian. The same story they used against McCain. I can't say this enough. In order to have a cover story as to why the State Department, a diplomatic entity, is talking to a foreign intelligence source, Christopher Steele. Think about that. Hmm. About a political opponent of the administration they work for. They need a cover story and the Ukraine crisis is the perfect cover story. Ukraine is a mess. But Manafort, who had worked for the Trump team as a, in, a, in a brief moment as a, a higher-up campaign official and was fired, that gives them the vehicle to talk to Christopher Steele. They don't, folks, understand, they don't believe any of this stuff. They just know they need Steele's information to get back to the FBI, and they figure if they send it to the State Department, they can flood the zone and launder the information. She also says in this piece, using the Victoria Newland translation, so Ukraine crisis is is code word Newland in Newland world, Joe. For we had to get Paul Manafort because he was connected to Trump, and the only way we could do it is the Ukraine crisis, right? The second point she makes, she says, well, Steele had a friend at, at the State Department. Oh, he had a friend, did he? Oh, yeah, that's cute, isn't it? Yes. What she doesn't mention is that the friend is Jonathan Weiner, as I said yesterday, a guy who had worked for APCO, a lobbying firm that had also represented companies involved in the Uranium One deal and was doing pro bono work for the Clinton Foundation. Convenient how all these people are always tied to the Clintons. Newland worked for Strobe Talbot, who was a big shot in the Bill Clinton State Department. Strobe Talbot's brother-in-law is Cody Shear. Cody Shear is a former journalist and a, and a hitman for Sid Blumenthal, Clinton's buddy. Shear gives the memos to Newland, who knows Talbot, Shear's brother-in-law. Weiner, again, working with APCO. APCO's doing lobbying work for the Clintons. They're also working in uh, parts of this Uranium One deal. To say this guy just happens to get the information from Steele. Ladies and gentlemen, they all know each other. 
This is a sophisticated information laundering operation. I wrote, took a note here. Oh, oh, here's it. I'm, I can't even read my own writing. As I was playing that clip there, what Joe was. Mm-hmm. She says, oh, he offered us the information. Did he really? <laughs> like, he was just some benevolent knight coming out of nowhere, Joe. Knights of the round table, you know? He just came here. Uh, he, this guy, <laughs> Sir Christopher Steele, just popped in there and offered, oh, hey, guys. So, Joe, let me ask you something. If you had information that critical, yeah. could you just pop into the State Department? Well, I don't know. If I was, like, walking on by, uh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah knock so. on the door. Yeah. Hey, fellas, hey, fellas. We demand yo. the shrubbery. Here we go. It yeah. reminds me of Rocky, too, when the guy tries to sign the, the promotion contract with him. And Rocky's <laughs> now famous because he took Apollo Creed to the end of the match. And he goes, well, you're going to call us, Rocky? He says, but we don't have your phone number. Rocky goes, that's right. I'll go, hey, oh, hey, oh. <laughs> Remember that time? That, yeah, could you, of course you couldn't just walk into the oh, State yeah. Department. He <laughs> offered us the information. He just saw oh. a former foreign spy just randomly showed up. Victoria, give us all a break, please. Victoria Newland translator, part number three. We were working with foreign spies to generate negative information on Trump to flood the zone. World champion no good Nick at your service. <laughs> yes. Yes. We're uncovering this thing piece by piece. Let me tell you, this second book is going to be killer. Now, getting back to yesterday's Flood the Zone piece by Solomon, which is excellent. It's in yesterday's show notes. I covered point one yesterday, how information generated by the Clinton machine was being pushed everywhere, generated in the middle of a wheel, out like spokes to the the diameter of the wheel to various people hoping it made its way back to the FBI. The first piece of information. Sussman, the lawyer for Perkins Coie, contacting Jim Baker, who seems to be confused. A law firm hired by the Clintons to get Fusion GPS to generate this fake dossier. Jim Baker, general counsel for the FBI, is confused. You have to ask him, Sussman, that is, why he decided to pick me. Really, Jim? Talked about that yesterday. Of course, Sussman went to the head of the FBI's general, general counsel. He wanted the information laundered to the top. I mentioned how he gave the information of price step and stroke. The second point. On the exact same day, Jim Comey gives his July 5th speech, exonerating Hillary Clinton, but laying out devastating information. Christopher Steele, foreign spy, who Victoria Newland was talking about, mysteriously meets with his FBI handler in London on the same day, giving him some of this information about Trump. Maybe an effort to change the narrative? Oh, all that information about Hillary that came out today during that Comey speech. We got to flip the script fast. Covered that yesterday, just kind of going over it again. Here we go. Point number three. Steele in late July gives some of his same information to Jonathan Weiner. Again, from 2008 uh, uh, to, eight to, to uh, excuse me, an employee. I don't want to get the dates wrong here. So forgive me. I got to. Because my writing's bad. It looks like 2008 to 2013. Working with APCO. We mentioned this before. Steele gives the information to Weiner, who Victoria Newland is referencing in that sound cut there. Oh, he had a friend at the State Department. Oh, isn't that cute? A foreign spy and a friend at the State Department. July 30th, 2016. There's a meeting with Bruce Orr where the information's given to Bruce Orr and the investigation into Trump crossfire hurricane starts just days later. 
The information superhighway is real. The information laundering operation is real. Roughly the same time, Alexander Downer, the Australian diplomat in the United Kingdom who meets with George Papadopoulos. And uh, the allegations are that Papadopoulos mentioned something about the Russians having dirt on Hillary. Right, That meeting, by the way, happens in May. But right around the July-August time frame, Downer decides he's going to go to Elizabeth Dibble, the DCM, one of our uh, 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 embassy staff, and he's going to bring this information up about Papadopoulos to her, where it makes its way again, Joe, back to the FBI. Flood the zone. In September, Cody Shear, brother-in-law to Strobe Talbot, former high-ranking diplomat in the Clinton State Department, starts producing his own memos with Sid Blumenthal, noted Clinton hatchet man. Those memos make their way back into the State Department, too. Interestingly enough, Joe, some of the content of those dossiers seems to resemble a lot of what you see in the Christopher Steele dossier, which says to me it was never Christopher Steele's information. It was the Clinton machine the whole time. How about that? Christopher Steele was just a cog in the Clinton machine wheel. It's the same information. In August, right around the same time, John Brennan, who has had a briefing with Bob Hannigan from the British GCHQ at the, quote, director level, the equivalent of their NSA, John Brennan gives a briefing to Harry Reid, Democrat senator, up on the hill. What does Reid do? Reed sends a letter to the FBI demanding an investigation. In that letter is information that was in the dossier. The same information in the Shear memos, the Blumenthal memos, and likely the same information that was presented to Christopher Steele's FBI handler in London on the same day the Comey speech is given. Ladies and gentlemen, they flooded the zone with information in a desperate, desperate hope that this was eventually going to make it back to the FBI through multiple channels, state, DOJ, Bruce Orr, Christopher Steele, Fusion GPS, and the media, and the information, although fake, fake, hoax, fraud, garbage, steaming pile of garbage nonsense, that given that it was heard many times and over and over again, that the information would appear authentic when it wasn't, and it worked. Because some idiot walked into the FISA court and raised his right hand and swore to it, even though it was fake. Oh, I got more. I'm not even close to done. I told you yesterday about Bill Prystep, who was the supervisor in the uh, counterintelligence section running this whole thing. And why I believe he's cooperating in this case. Yeah. Because his name has stayed out of the scandal largely. And he was Peter Stroke's boss. This whole FBI disingenuous fraudulent investigation into Donald Trump is being run by Price Depp's division. Price Depp's also the guy who tells Jim Comey not to notify Congress. Remember the sensitivity of the matter? Remember that quote to Elise yeah. Stefanik? Yeah. Comey's supposed to notify Congress every three months about sensitive counterintel. He doesn't do it. And when uh, congressional representative Republican side, Elise Stefanik, asks him why, he goes, well, because of the sensitivity of the matter. He didn't notify Congress for eight months. Price Depp told him not to do that. 
Why is Price Depp's name not being brought up in this outside of outlets like ours and, and, and others who are doing good investigative work? The answer, Joe, is because Price Step is likely cooperating. There's another name, Joe. There's another name here from someone who is a key, key player in this entire operation, and yet his name gets frequently left out. I have my suspicions about why that is. All right, I'm going to get to that in a second. This final read for another great company, and uh, this one's going to blow your mind. All right, today's show also brought to you by Morning Recovery. This stuff is great. I use this <laughs> sparingly, wink it or not. Uh, remember a few years ago when you go out, have a few drinks, and bounce back the next morning? We remember that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just learned about the way to help you bounce back like the good old days. Morning Recovery is engineered to help your body detox and rehydrate after drinking. Cool story. Uh, the founder of this company was in uh, South Korea, and all these South Korean businessmen went out after work and had a few uh, adult sodas. They were always in work next day, all chipper and ready to go. He was like, oh, I'm dying. And he found out about this product, and he took it and perfected it. Make morning recovery your new pre-drink routine. Drink one morning recovery before you go to bed to help your body detox, rehydrate, and bounce back so you can be your fuller self and do more the next day. It was designed by an ex-Tesla engineer and a world-class scientist. Uh, morning recovery combines the latest research and best ingredients to boost your liver's natural ability to break down alcohol. Morning recovery's secret is DHM, a plant-based superhero ingredient shown to help accelerate the decomposition of toxins in your liver. Plus, it tastes great. It really does. With over 1.5 million bottles sold, if you don't love it, you get your money back, but you will because it works. There's no reason not to try Morning Recovery, and they have a special deal for our listeners. Go to morningrecoverydrink.com slash Dan. That's morningrecoverydrink.com slash Dan for 20. That's two zero twenty 20% off your entire order. Get 20% off your entire order on a six-pack, a 12-pack, or a 24-pack at morningrecoverydrink.com. Dot com slash Dan morning recovery drink dot com slash Dan. Hey, uh, good tease on the other side of the spot, dude. Way to go. Do you like that? Yeah. Joe's a radio professional yeah, doing this a long time. He's always coaxing me into doing teases and stuff, yeah. and I never listen to him. So he gets excited when I follow the old <laughs> radio rules. But he's right. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just I was a former cop and agent. I never really did radio, but he's right. This is why he's a value to the show an unbelievable value. Thank you. Yes, you got it, buddy. All right. So getting back to this, before I get to this uh, this this other guy, I just want to, you know what, let me get to him first. Let me get to this player, because I talked about Price Step, why I believe Price Step's name has been left out of us. Again, I think he's cooperating. There's another guy in this. There's an agent by the name of Joe Pianca. Joe Pianca, Joe, remember the names, hey, right? said it the other Pianca's, day. Pianca's, yes, he's a key player in all of this. And uh, a, a guy by the name of Brian Cates, who writes for the Epic Times, has a piece up in there. Um, I will include it in the show notes. Where is Joe Pianca? Where's Waldo? Pianca's a key player in all of this. What are the, the, the major moments, the three major moments in this investigation where Joe Pianca is a key operator? Number one, Joe Pianca is in the room at the White House, Joe, when Mike Flynn, National Security Advisor for President Trump, is being interviewed about his conversation with Russian Ambassador Kislyak, where in the 302, it's indicated he was not lying and not being deceptive. Where is Pianca? If he wasn't being deceptive, the other agent, of course, was Hack Peter Stroke, who uh, couldn't stand Trump's people and couldn't probably couldn't stand Flynn either. 
Peter Stroke, so Stroke and Pianca, where is Pianca? Joe, don't you think Pianca would have some valuable input as to why they believed Mike Flynn wasn't being deceptive, but was later charged essentially with deception, lying to the FBI? There's something wrong there. Yeah. Where is Joe Pianca? Ah, don't worry, I'll answer it for you. Second, we now find out that after Christopher Steele, despite all of his actions to push this information through the State Department, Fusion GPS, the media, Bruce Orr, Christopher Steele, the British spy hired by Hillary to gin up this fake dossier, that even after Steele, Joe, was fired by the FBI for unauthorized contacts with the media, fired and deemed, and I'm quoting the FBI here, not myself, deemed not suitable for use as an informant. Right. We now find out that Steele was brought back in the mix and attempts to reconnect were made by Andy McCabe after Trump got in the White House because they got desperate. Remember, he's fired in the fall of 2016. 2017, January, Donald Trump's inaugurated. Sworn in, becomes President of the United States. Fires Comey. Andy McCabe panics. And according to some recent stories, they try to bring Christopher Steele back despite firing as a source. Who is his handler when Steele is dealing with Bruce Orr at the DOJ? He has a handler in the FBI. The handler's Joe Pianca. The same guy, Joe. The same guy involved in the Flynn interview. Where in the what's that? Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Yeah. Where in the world is Joe Pianca? Ladies and gentlemen, I have some suspicions as well that Pianca may have been involved in the interview or arrest of George Papadopoulos. Hmm. So these are two moments we know about, a potential third, where a key player seems to have entirely disappeared and escaped uh, any media scrutiny at all outside of people who are doing the the real investigative work on, on seriously on Twitter and elsewhere. That's where you can get all your good stuff. My suspicion is just like Bill Price, that Joe, that Joe Pianca is cooperating. Now, I can't say a lot more there, but I, my suspicions here mm-hmm. are Pianca is giving up the cookies, that the cookie jar is open. And I say this not to... Oh, oh, I'm dying here. I say this because when Pianca talks, if... Wink it or not. If he talks, it is going to be devastating. Pianca knows everything. Pianca was intimately involved in this thing. Pianca knows all about the information laundering operation, the effort to flood the zone and the FBI with fake information. He likely knows a lot about the Papadopoulos scandal, the targeting of Papadopoulos, the targeting of Mike Flynn. Pianca knows this. This is important. Now, given all this, I think when the, if Bianca is cooperating now (laughs) and this comes out, this could be an absolute nightmare for the FBI because one of their own, potentially in conjunction with Bill Prystep, is now an irrefutable, unimpeachable source as to the actual malfeasance that occurred within the FBI. And folks... Please, I can't believe I'm still getting... Joe, I've explained this now. This is like that social security and death penalty show we did, mm-hmm. where no matter how many times I explained it, I still kept getting emails. Yeah. I love when you email me. I do. But I hate getting emails about stuff I say the opposite of, and I get email. I It drives me wild. 
I've got, I got, I received four or five emails yesterday from people saying, Dan, are you saying the FBI were dummies? Uh, no, I'm not saying that. I'm telling you, someone in the FBI raised their right hand and swore to fake information in court they never verified. That is the malfeasance. Andy McCabe hated Trump. Peter Stroke hated Trump. Lisa Page hated Trump. I believe there were a lot of personal, vindictive, malicious motives for law enforcement people at the top of the FBI to attack Donald Trump. But that doesn't mean that the FBI wasn't snookered a bit, too. I'm not suggesting that they get a pass on this. At, not even close. The, my, the whole Spygate is an indictment of people at the FBI who screwed up. Comey's lies. McCabe's lies. McCabe's vicious targeting of Mike Flynn. This was all done intentionally. I am only suggesting to you that with regards to the information they handled atrociously, maliciously, and potentially criminally with leaks, that people tried to hose them too. That's all I'm saying. It is not an absolution of their guilt in this at all. Not even close. I mean, are you tracking, Joe, what I'm saying here? Because I keep getting emails like, what do you mean, Dan? The FBI, they weren't. It's not what I said. Well, the information didn't go through the rank and file. It didn't go through the rank and file. The Clinton machine yeah. flooded the zone at the FBI with an attempt to influence them. And people who hated Donald Trump at the FBI ran with it. Yeah. But there were likely efforts to keep the verification of the information to a minimum by the Clinton team, too. In other words, not naming sources directly. If you read the dossier, it's like Russian uh, intelligence source number one. It, they never name names. They only name names on the Trump team in their Russian context, but never who the sources are. I'm simply suggesting the Clinton machine made it very difficult for hacks at the top of the FBI to even verify it, even if they wanted to, Joe, which they didn't, is what I'm getting. Mm -hmm. Now, with all of this stuff coming together, it's 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 time to do plan A, plan B, and plan C over again. Now, if you listen to my viral speech on YouTube where I laid all of this out, I discussed how the Obama administration, it was really a three-part plan that intersected and overlapped at points, but I'm just for the sake of simplicity, I called it plan A, plan B, and plan C. Plan A was the Obama administration's efforts to spy on the Trump team and likely others, likely using unmasking techniques and the NSA database. How do we know that? Because uh, Mike Rogers, former head of the NSA, found some disturbing patterns in the use of the NSA database, brought it to the attention of the FISA court, which did an audit and found an astonishing number of inquiries into the NSA database that were, not, that were uh, in violation of the rules. And not to mention the information, this is according to FISA court's own documents, was being shared with private contractors. I believe strongly that that was information, uh, political information the Obama team was trying to get out of the NSA database. I believe they were also doing it by unmasking. In other words, listening in on their phone calls, pretending they were targeting foreigners when they were really targeting uh, their political opponents. When that plan collapsed, I believe they went to plan B, which is the FISA court. The FISA court's the flood the zone. Flood the zone at the FBI, knowing the FBI is the only law enforcement entity that'll run with this because we have a bunch of people at the top who couldn't stand Trump, including Comey. 
get the FISA court, and then, Joe, it's all legal. We don't have to use unmasking, although they did. And we don't have to use the NSA database. We can just spy on people legally because of the two-hop rule. Remember the two-hop rule? Yes, sir. Once you get a FISA warrant on Carter Page, you can hop to everyone he emails and calls and everyone they call, which really is the entire Trump team. They had to make it, air quotes, legal. Plan C is the cover-up after Trump wins the election, the mop-up job. Bob Mueller is the only guy who can cover this up. He's conveniently connected to all of these players. He is also conveniently the FBI director in 2007, the FBI director, Joe, when the original movie script about Russian collusion is used against John McCain. Mueller's not stupid. It's Mueller's FBI who's fully aware in 2007 that this Russian collusion uh, fairy tale has been used against a Republican presidential candidate in the past, likely by the Clinton machine, notably John McCain in 2007. Listen, do not miss yesterday's show. Now, I say I had to kind of dust this off and and, uh, rework this a little bit because I believe plan A is a little different now. All right. The tools used in the Obama administration's initial plan to spy on the Trump team. I'm going to add something to it. I'm not sure, Joe, they were only spying on the Trump team. Newland seems to be awfully confident, Joe, in that sound clip we played mm-hmm. opening up at this segment. Victoria Newland, this Clinton State Department official tied into all of this, that they've been doing this for a long time. We had, we had friends in the State Department. We got the information. He didn't even charge us, Christopher Steele. Oh, wow. Isn't that great? Foreign spies not charging us for fake information. He shuttled into the FBI. Isn't that classic? So two changes to plan A. Number one, I think they were, they were spying on a whole lot more than the Trump team. And what leads me to believe this? Joe. It's FISA warrant against Carter Page, if you're going to target Page. Mm -hmm. However immoral and unethical, if you're going to create a scandal, a spy scandal, makes sense. Why? Because Carter Page already had contact with the FBI. Yeah. Carter Page had worked with the FBI as a source. I am not accusing Carter Page of anything. I want to be crystal clear. I'm definitely not accusing him of any criminality. I'm suggesting if you're going to open up a massive spying operation on your political opponent, it is probably best to do it with someone you're familiar with. You know, you can work with or work around. Carter Page had been in contact with the FBI in the past with regards to Russians because he became the target of a Russian spy operation and then wound up working for the FBI. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying that if these 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 hacks were going to do this, it made sense for them. Get in their heads, not mine. The targeting of Mike Flynn, Joe, makes all the sense in the world. Mike Flynn was an opponent of the Iran deal. Back in 2015 at this dinner, he's with, with the Russians. Mike Flynn, there's allegations that he's with this. Uh, he's having some inappropriate conversation with this Russian female. A story entirely debunked even by the DIA person there. Obama hates Flynn. Flynn opposes his devastating Iran deal. He can't stand Flynn. What better way to discredit Flynn than to include him later in memos? Remember that show we did? How Flynn's name is included, but it's the only one not capitalized, like it was added at the last minute? Mm -hmm. Mike Flynn was already being targeted by the Obama team and their, uh, their intelligence assets as far back as 2015 at this Russian dinner as a Russian spy. 
or as a, a conduit to the Russians, subject to a Russian influence operation. This is nonsense, but it makes sense if you're a hack looking to target people. But why target Papadopoulos? Joe, mm-hmm. now I'm really going to put you on the spot because no. I know I have a feel. Because it, don't worry, the, the fact that I don't expect you to know this. Mm. What did Papadopoulos do before he joined the Trump team? Who did he work for? Let me give you a hint. You're from Maryland. Yeah. There was another presidential candidate from Maryland. He was a doctor. He's a brilliant guy. He worked at Hopkins. Did uh did some amazing surgeries on infants. And he had a bit of a head. He confronted Obama at a prayer breakfast once. You know who that was? Um, yeah, Ben Carson. Mm-hmm. Yes, buddy. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry, poor guy. Poor Joe. This guy's doing like a million things. Got to listen. Is he thinks? I think it's like Alex Trebek. What is Ben Car? Who is Ben Carson? <laughs> <laughs> For two hundred. <laughs> sorry, so- presidential can. No, let's pick. Spying on presidential campaigns for two hundred, Alex. Uh, who did George Papadopoulos work for? Who is Ben Carson? Ding, 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 ding. Nice job, Joe. Yes. Papadopoulos had worked for Ben Carson before. What am I telling you? Folks, I think it's time we ask the question. Was Papadopoulos the subject of an influence operation by our intel people, foreign intel partners, and an investigation by the FBI later? Simply because they already had something going on Papadopoulos? Maybe because he was part of a prior campaign? Oh, and maybe they just weren't looking at the Trump team. Maybe it was all of them. Folks, if you're listening to my shows the past two weeks, how many times, Joe, we had to emphasize this is bigger than even Donald Trump. What we are talking about here, that's why my book is called Spygate and not Trumpgate and not Russiagate. The scandal, the gate after Watergate, I know some people hate it. I Sometimes I hate it too, but it was the only way to sum up in one word what this is. You are looking at the biggest, most destructive spying scandal and weaponization of the United States government in modern U.S. history. An effort by a presidential administration, the Obama administration, to weaponize their assets, unmasking the NSA database, the FISA courts, the FBI, the IC, foreign intelligence partners, to destroy Mike Flynn, Carter Page, Donald Trump, George Papadopoulos, and anybody associated with them, and... Maybe other campaigns, too. Interesting. I'll bet George knows something about that. Some people didn't know Papadopoulos worked with Carson before. Strange how he disappeared on the FBI's radar. Maybe he didn't. Okay, so plan A. I said we were going to change two things. The original plan... Spy on them using the database and listening in on their calls via unmasking. Yes. What we're changing, number one, is I don't believe it was just Trump. This may have been bigger than the Trump team. The second part I want to add is the movie script. There was clearly a recycling of a narrative used in the past, thanks to our source yesterday, that had recycled a narrative already used against John McCain in 2007. The Hillary team had to know about this. And clearly, clearly the Obama team knew because Obama was John McCain's opponent. 
They had tried this Russian collusion story. Read the piece in yesterday's show notes by Sarah Cardiff when she was with Circa. Read the piece. It's devastating. They had tried this already. And likely the Bush intelligence community and FBI folks shut it down. Mueller was the FBI director when they tried it. Mueller probably knew about it too. What I'm telling you is plan A, someone probably goes to a meeting with the players involved in this in the Obama administration and in the Hillary team, dusts off the movie script from 2007 about Russian collusion, hammers Flynn with it at one point, has some success with Flynn with this 2015 Russian dinner. Look, he was talking to a Russian. Applies it to a couple of presidential campaigns. Let's see if they were talking to Russians too. Matter of fact, let's see if they were talking to Middle Easterners. Let's see if they were talking to anybody. Spies on them. But this was likely bigger than just spying on the Trump team. I want to modify plan B a little bit. Plan B was clearly an effort to use the FISA court to spy on Trump to make this legal. In other words, if they get a FISA warrant, they can make this legal, legally spy on the Trump team, getting a FISA warrant against any member of the Trump team, Carter Page, and hopping to his contacts and then their contacts. A surveillance dragnet, unparalleled, but all legal. Unlike some of the illicit tapping into the database and some of the unethical use of unmasking techniques to listen in on the Trump team's calls. The slight modification I want to make to plan B now is the only way to get that information in the FISA court, Joe, was to get the FBI, people who couldn't stand Donald Trump, to believe that there was at least some air of authenticity to it, Joe. Mm Mm-hmm. That's where the Solomon piece comes in. They flooded the zone from every angle, state, DOJ, FBI, foreign intel with the same garbage information from the same source in an effort to get these FBI guys who were involved in this and one who raised his right hand to swear to this thing. Plan C, the cover up. They needed Bob Mueller after Trump shockingly gets elected president. Shockingly to them, not to us. Joe and I actually called it. Mm-hmm. Mueller's the only guy. Mueller's connected to Andy Weissman. Andy Weissman was his old buddy. They worked in the Enron case together. Weissman was also briefed about the political origins of this information before it went into the FISA courts. He picks Weissman for his special counsel team to go after Trump. Why? To cover Weissman. Rosenstein is the Uranium One United States attorney while Bob Mueller's the FBI director. While this Uranium One scandal, APCO, all this stuff is going down. Rosenstein is the deputy attorney general who who, uh, picks Bob Mueller. Kathy Rumler, Obama's White House lawyer and fixer during all of this, randomly appears as the legal counsel to one of Bob Mueller's key witnesses in a case about Middle Eastern collusion, Joe. Middle Eastern collusion, that she's representing a guy named George Nader's alleging Trump team members met with people from the Middle East. A same regurgitation of the collusion narrative just with the Middle East this time. The movie script reinvigorated with new titles and new people. Finally, going full circle. As if enough Obama era and Bob Mueller era people involved in scandalous interactions with people involved in this case, aren't enough. Who magically appears to represent Michael Cohen, Trump's former lawyer, as he starts cooperating with the special counsel? 
Lanny Davis, noted Clinton insider and hack. The very same guy who put out a PR statement yesterday saying, well, Michael Flynn's not exactly going to, Michael Cohen's not going to testify, excuse me, Cohen, former, former lawyer, not going to testify in front of Congress because Cohen's being threatened by Donald Trump. Who exactly is managing Michael Cohen now? Unsurprisingly, someone connected to the Clinton orbit. The Clinton machine is laughing. They're laughing. I don't think they'll be laughing for long, Joe. And the reason I don't think they'll be laughing for long is, as I told you before, to bring it all full circle. Where's Joe Pianca? Where's Bill Prystep? Why are they so quiet? Maybe they're not. Maybe that's why the media won't talk about it. All right, folks. Thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Please don't miss the five today on Fox and tomorrow as well at 5 p.m. Eastern. And please subscribe to our show on iTunes. It is free. Just click the subscribe button. You can also go get in all our back episodes there. Oh, you can also follow us on iHeartRadio and on SoundCloud. It is free, but it really helps us move up the charts and helps other people find the show. I really appreciate it. Listen to today's show and yesterday's show again. They're really, really important. See you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud and follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.